0: Welcome to the podcast at Woburn Baptist Church. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would, please open your Bibles to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and as I said, we'll be looking at Jesus healing a little boy. Uh, Jesus did many miracles in His ministry. He turned water into wine. He healed many. He healed the lepers. He healed the paralytics. He healed all kinds of manner of diseases. And this morning we will see where a man came to Jesus distraught because his little boy, his child, was at the point of death. And he was asking and pleading, Jesus, come do something about my little boy. And Jesus says, Oh, you won't believe me unless you see a sign. Kind of rebukes him, which is kind of harsh. But the man says, he he doesn't give in. he, he, He says, Oh, Jesus, you've got to come. He's about to die. Please, my little boy. And Jesus just says, He will live. And he goes home, signifying he believed what Jesus said. And when he got home, he found that his little boy was alive. Now we want to see things for ourselves, don't we? We want to see evidence before we're going to believe something. When you talk to an atheist, they want to, they want to know: you know, what, what is your evidence for God? You can't show me any evidence. To which, of course, the response is, well, you can't show me any evidence that there's not. <laughs> you know, we live next door to the state called Missouri, the state that is the show-me state. You want to you show me. Show me before I'll believe. Or when we have someone who's a salesman come to our door, most of the time we're, we're just going to blow them off. But if we are even going to hear them out, we want to we see it with our eyes. We want to see that there's going to be results before we will believe their testimony. And that's what Jesus was frustrated about. All the people, they, they saw the signs and then they believed. But many would not believe without a sign. Jesus calls us to believe His Word. He calls us to believe his word and let the chips fall where they may, regardless of whether we see a sign. Let's read from John chapter 4, beginning in verse 43. After the two days he departed from Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to believe what you have said in your word. Let us not seek after signs and wonders. Let us not ask you for proof, but let us speak let us believe your word as you have said and trust you for your grace. Father, we pray that uh, you would be with me. Lord, I am a sinful man, I am a wretch, but you save me. Lord, give me strength to preach your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, first, it says, after two days, He departed for Galilee. Uh, That connects this with the story that came before. Remember, Jesus had sat down and He'd spoken to the Samaritan woman. And after He talked with this Samaritan woman, the disciples came back with the bread. And Jesus said, you know, I have food that you don't know about. Well, He stayed there for two days teaching Samaritans who believed. And it was after these two days that this thing occurs. Remember, Jesus had been traveling from Judea to Galilee. He had stopped in Samaria and He departed again from Samaria for Galilee. Jesus says this this proverb that we see in the other Gospels, for Jesus Himself testified that a prophet has no honor in His own hometown. It's kind of unclear Samaria wasn't his own hometown. Some have thought maybe Judea, Jerusalem he might be considered. But you know, Galilee is where Nazareth is, and Nazareth we know of as his hometown. Whatever the case, whatever John is trying to get across to us, we do see that there were some who weren't impressed by Jesus. There were some who rejected him as Jesus went on his way. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. Why did these Galileans believe? Because they saw the signs at the feast. Some of them had been there in Jerusalem as well. So he came again to this Cana. Remember, Cana was the place where he performed this sign, this wonder, this miraculous making of of water into wine. He gets there again, and there's this official that had traveled quite a ways to get there. This man from Capernaum. The uh, the word there that's translated official, it has to do with some kind of official that would be in in a king's court. It's possible that he was someone that was serving in, in Herod's court. Uh, It's very possible many have thought that this man may be a Gentile. And if so, that would fit the pattern here. Jesus had talked in chapter 3 to Nicodemus, who was a Jewish teacher of the law. Then he talked to the Samaritan woman. And now it seems that this Gentile is coming to Jesus. Showing that Jesus is the Savior of the whole world. Both Jew, Samaritan, and Gentile. And this man comes to Jesus. He says, My son is at the point of death. There is no time to waste. He had already walked. I mean, if it took him a day to go home, he must have already been walking a day. He was distraught. He was worried about this son of his. He's going to die. He had heard about Jesus. Maybe he had heard about the signs that Jesus had done and he wanted in on it. He wanted Jesus to heal this son. And Jesus rebukes him. It's a strange thing to do. He says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe I want to point something out here. We can't see it in our English text, but whenever it says, you will not believe, it's the plural you. In English, we don't have that distinction. We just say you or you. If we're from the South, we might say y'all or youans I just heard. Yeah. But proper English, we don't have a distinction between the the plural and the singular. Jesus here says, you will not believe, saying the whole crowd, everybody, they wouldn't believe unless they saw a sign. Do we believe Jesus? He says this to us. Do we believe Him or will we need a sign? The official responded then, sir, come down before my child dies. He's desperate. He wants to see Jesus come and heal his child. He believes that if Jesus would only leave where he was and come to Capernaum with him, his child would live. But Jesus does something amazing. Jesus just says to him, go, your son will live. If you look at that in the original language, it's actually in the present tense. By context, we, we, it smooths it out to say your son will live, but what Jesus was literally saying was your son lives. The man, what does it say he did? He believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went on his way. He didn't see a sign. He didn't see a miracle. All he did was believe that what Jesus said was true. And he turned around and he began to walk home. And as he's walking home, he was met by some of his servants. And his servants told him his son lives. The same words Jesus said. The same words Jesus said, his servants said to him, your son lives. If you look at the Greek, it's the same tense. It's present tense. And then... The man, it says, the man himself believed and all of his household. He believed initially when Jesus spoke to him and then he saw the sign and he believed all the more. There was a confirmation that came whenever he saw Jesus healed. I think of Abraham in the Old Testament whenever... James points out about Abraham, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. We are to believe His Word and trust Him that He will come through. There's an emphasis in the Gospel of John on belief. We've been seeing it over and over and over again. In the first chapter of John, John the Baptist, it says, was sent as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through Him. And then, it says Jesus was sent to His own people, but His own did not receive Him. But, to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god then also in chapter 1 nathaniel came to jesus jesus had seen nathaniel and he said i saw you under the fig tree this caused Nathanael to believe and Jesus says because I said to you you saw me under I saw you under the fig tree do you believe you will see greater things than these Here Nathaniel was somebody who believed Jesus's word And Jesus promises you'll see greater things than these <laughs> Then we see whenever he heals or he makes water into wine it says this is the first First of the signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. We see later in chapter 2, Jesus told about how if you tore down this temple, He would raise it up in three days. And people didn't understand what He was talking about. They thought they were talking about the physical temple. But Jesus was talking about His body. And it says in verse 22 of chapter 2, when therefore He was raised up from the dead, His disciples remembered that He had said these things and they believed the Scripture that the wor- and the Word that Jesus had spoken. They believed His Word. But there's another kind of belief we see. In John 2 as well, it says, Now when He was, at the pa- when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in His name when they saw the signs that He was doing. But... Jesus on His part did not entrust Himself to them because He knew all people. And He needed no one to bear witness about that about man because He knew what was in man. There's believing Jesus' Word and then there's just believing because you've seen the signs. And Jesus had a lower view of just believing because you saw the signs. When Jesus talked with Nicodemus, He said, I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Nicodemus had a problem believing Jesus' Word. And Jesus uses an illustration. He points back to Moses. He says, Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. So must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. Then, That famous verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But there are those who won't believe. Jesus says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. We see also... When Jesus is talking at the woman at the well, He says to her, Woman, believe Me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. Jesus calls her to believe His Word. Believe Me, is what Jesus says. He says that to the woman at the well and He says it to us. Believe Me, believe My Word. Don't ask for a sign, believe Me. Then many Samaritans who believed because of the woman's testimony came to Jesus and they listened to him for two days and it says, many more believed because of his word. Those Samaritans were believing not because they were seeing signs, it says they were believing because of his word. And more, uh, it is no longer, this, the people said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it for ourselves. They haven't just seen it, they've heard Jesus' word. Brothers and sisters, when Jesus calls us to believe him, he calls us to believe his word. <coughs> Jesus had been rejected by many. He said, a prophet is not without, home, without honor except in his own hometown. It says, he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Whoever does not believe is condemned already. No one receives his testimony in 3.32. And then, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life in 3.36. There are many who will reject Jesus' word. Jesus rebukes this this desire for signs. He does so here (coughs) whenever He says, unless you see the signs and the wonders, you will not believe. And then also in chapter 2, verses 23-24, through many believe when they saw the signs, but Jesus didn't entrust Himself to them. Jesus wants us to be like this official, to believe His Word. The man believed the Word that Jesus spoke to him. Even his own household believed because he believed His Word. My point that I am trying to go over and over again to try to nail down is Jesus wants us to believe His Word. Just like this man, without any sign, but to believe His Word. The old hymn, God moves in a mysterious way. says, blind unbelief is sure to err and scan His work in vain. God is His own interpreter and He will make it plain. We can look out at the world and we will err every time if we look at the world with unbelieving eyes. God is His own interpreter. He's spoken through His Word. If we are to rightly understand the world around us, we need to look through the lens of Scripture, what He has told us about Himself and about His world. Another hymn, How Firm a Foundation, says, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent Word. What more can He say than to you He hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Jesus has spoken to us by His Word, and it is a firm foundation. It is not sinking sand, but it is a firm foundation. Do you believe the word of Jesus <coughs> or do you have to see a sign first what do we mean when we say the word of Jesus there is a movement today that calls themselves red letter christians this movement care, claims to care about what Jesus says as opposed to the rest of scripture this is misguided All Scripture is inspired by God. It is revealed by the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The same Spirit that inspired the Scripture is called the Spirit of Christ. As in 1 Peter 1.10-11 says... Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ was indicating. When we talk about believing Jesus' words, we don't just mean the words that some editor decided to color red. We mean believing all of Scripture If we want to believe Jesus' Word, He inspired all of it from Genesis to Revelation. This week, (coughs) I attended a conference during the day uh, in Troy on church revitalization. There's a lot of conferences out there that offer gimmicks and programs to try to grow your church. But this movement of church revitalization is a little bit different. The speakers there said basically, revitalization comes down to this do what the book says. Do what the book says. Essentially, for church revitalization to occur, it requires repentance. Just as Jesus said to the, El- the church of Ephesus in Revelation they said that they were to repent because they had abandoned their first love. Every dying or declining church that needs revitalization has the same call from Jesus. We must repent. We cannot depend on a program or a personality to bring life to a church. Jesus has given us a prescription for life. And he says that we must repent. Do we have to see results first? Will we not believe him until it's too late? Jesus calls us to believe him first. Just like the man in today's text. We are to believe and obey his word first. And then comes revival. We may ask and we may plead for revival, but if we refuse to do what Jesus said and repent, He has every right to withhold it from us. Often, when we talk about revival, we think of of uh, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, which says, "If we, if my people who are called by themselves uh, called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways." then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So some have the idea that revival comes with this formula. We do our part, and then God sends revival. But, if, but in reality, if we humble ourselves, if we pray, if we seek God's face and repent, that is revival! We don't need to wait for God to send anything if we're on our faces before God, pleading with Him, repenting of our sins, corporately and individually. If we have offended a brother or sister, we go to them and we we apologize. We make it right. We have attitudes that we have. Critical spirits. We have to repent of those things. If we want our own preferences above the... the, the Commands from Scripture, if our own preferences are higher, they become an idol and we have to forsake those things. Again, I'll point us back to our text. Will we believe Jesus' words? Will we do what He says, or will we require a sign before we believe? Will we be like doubting Thomas? Or will we heed the words of Jesus who said, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Believe Him and let the chips fall where they may. Because if we believe Him and do things according to His word, that is revival. Let the chips fall where they may. God is sovereign. There is no guarantee that if we follow any certain formula, that people will come. But what we can do is get on our faces, repent before God, and be the church who God has called us to be. Jesus warned the church in Revelation, if you do not repent, I'll remove your lampstand. He has every right as our Lord and Master to do the same to us. He calls us to repent. I don't want to stand up here as someone who is saying, you all need to repent. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. Jesus calls me to repentance every bit as much as any of you. I have things in my own life that I need to get right with Jesus. I've had attitudes and I have had preferences that I've put on a pedestal. I'm not speaking as one who is up here speaking down. I'm receiving a message from God for all of us, including me. We must get on our faces, plead with God, repent where we have been wrong and believe His Word. That's revival. Thank you for listening to this message from Woburn Baptist Church. For more information, please visit us at www.wilburnbaptistchurch.org or you can also like us on Facebook.